According to Marketo, effective marketing needs to be trustworthy, relevant, conversational, coordinated, and strategic. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we use marketing automation to build effective strategies. Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually back in the office, Liel. How are you doing today? Back in the office? Yeah. I see you. <laughs> yes, Grace. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. And just like in Florida, things here in Texas are starting to settle back into, I guess, a new reality. But I must say that it's a new reality that in many ways feels a lot like the way reality was before the pandemic started, right? And I say so in a good way, in a sense that uh, I see more activity in general for our clients that we uh, run campaigns for, particularly here in Texas, which is a good thing for people to feel reassured that they've reached a time where they are comfortable reaching out and seeking out for a legal representation, right? right? And so that's the good side of it. Now, I'm, I'm no authority to comment whether reopening states and reopening the economy, the pace and in the way that we're doing it right now is, is the right thing to do or not. But I can certainly do speak for the impact that it has had in the marketing efforts that we've been running for our clients. And I'll tell you something else, Grace. And you may see it also in your marketing efforts. Those who stayed throughout the worst of the pandemic, those who actually continued advertising and continue reinforcing their message and shifted to a new tone with a new voice, with a new messaging. Right now, I think those are the ones who are starting to see some of that yield back results. And I certainly think that it only is gonna get better for them as things continue to normalize, right? And that's providing that the trend is for things to continue to normalize because we can never, if one thing we've learned coming out or as we are transitioning out of this is that we can at any moment in, in a split second fall back into it, right? And so we need to always have that in the back of our minds and always have a way to fast and effectively shift our strategies back into a mode where we can continue promoting, supporting our communities, sending a positive message if things were to default back to where they were, right? So um, that's, th that's just kind of like a brief insight into how do I experience this reopening uh, in some of the markets that we are. But in a personal way, Grace, I think like Texas by Friday, which is tomorrow, it's going to pretty much feel in many ways a, a lot like it felt uh, two or three months ago, which brings hope, but uh, also a little bit of anxiety. Yes. 
How about, how about you yes, in Florida? Yes, um, definitely agree. I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because you have a group of your employees in general. You have a group of people that have a bunch of different situations in their lives. I mean, you know, me included. You know, um, you know, we have people that you know they're they're single parents or they they have elder parents and they live with them and they take care of their whole family. So, you know. It, in my opinion, if you can, and this is what we're doing, and we've been doing this even since the beginning, honestly, we're very flexible in terms of allowing our employees to work from home. I mean, it's worked so far for us. So we've allowed some of them to continue if they're not able to for, you know, XYZ reason. There's so many legitimate extreme reasons why they can't come back physically. I mean, you have kids at home that are six and seven years old. So you know, for, for me personally in Florida, um, you know, I am still, you know, cautious. I am going out, um, you know, to the 25% restaurants. You know, when I did go out, I actually went out this past weekend to Boca, which was open the week before. Um, and when I went there, you know, there was only a couple people in the restaurant, um, literally three tables in a giant restaurant of probably 20 tables. Uh, everyone had masks. Um, everything was paper or um, throwaway, you know. So there, I feel like we can adhere to a lot of these things. But those that can't, in other words, those who cannot expose themselves for whatever reason, I say that there's nothing wrong with continuing to protect yourself. And so that's kind of how I've taken yeah. this whole thing. Um, you know, I operate in a very closed group of people, as I think most of us do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Grace, I think you're actually bringing something up that it's so relevant, right? Because for a lot of, well, for a few months now, we've been talking about adjusting to working remotely, uh, how to manage your team while you're remote, how can you continue staying efficient and productive and uh, engage with your clients while you are under these circumstances. But right now it's a new conversation, right? It's like, how do you transition back? How do you bring everybody back to their offices? If it's like bringing them back is your game plan, because it may not necessarily be like, look at Twitter. Twitter just decided we don't need you back. As, as far as we know, like these past few months showed us that we can continue performing and working and doing everything that we do, potentially even better than we were doing it when we were all in an office. So you can all plan on staying remote if you wish. To do mm -hmm. so right and we see that happening also with facebook with google like there's a lot of tech companies are not uh setting up return to office dates at least nothing earlier than 2021 and so i think you know going back to some of the other conversations we had in previous weeks some of the people that we've talked like this model for some of their team members has worked well they're actually happier working from home they no longer have to commute for long periods of time, they're more efficient. They, they found a better work-life balance, right? So this is something that we should right now, rather than just say, okay, things are over, let's, you know, reset and go back to where we were and throw away everything that we've learned over these two months. This is actually a great opportunity to really reassess the entire game plan, right? And those who have been very strategical, of course, they've been they've been actually working on this already for the past two or three weeks. They've already uh, started having these conversations internally with their management team. Like, do we want to go back when we go back exactly as we were? What things do we want to adapt that we've learned now? 
And I think that's going to lead to some really interesting conversations in the next coming weeks and months with different legal professionals about how they've adapted and what changed in their structure, in their operational structure altogether after the lockdown period of COVID. And I think, again, very important for us to to, to mention, as you were saying, Grace, like the lockdown period is what's over, right? The pandemic's not gone entirely, so people still need to be cautious. You still need to be mindful about your operations in your office if you have clients coming and meeting you. And so making sure that you're actually sending out a message that you're taking every single precaution that you can to make it safe for everyone, your team, your clients, your uh, vendor partners, Everyone who is in touch with your business needs to get that feeling that you care and that you're doing everything in your in your hands to really make it safe for everyone. So, um, Grace, anything else that you think or you've experienced or you've noticed? Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, we've been talking about this uh, constantly, just like everyone else, right? I mean, we see a million COVID webinars, podcasts, how to work from home, how to do this, how to do that. You know, I think this... It, I've heard it plenty of times and I agree with this statement. It's not a one size fits all. Um, I think that we just need to listen, right? And it's not passive listening, it's active listening to everybody around us that affect each other. And we all affect each other as we learned with this pandemic. So it's, it's, it's active listening to your employees, to your clients. And just by listening to them, you will be able to come up with a good solution for you, your team, and your clients. And, you know, what that means, like in our case, um, you know, I'm, I'm part of a software company, Persist Software in Fort Lauderdale. Um, you know, we have decent-sized office where we have tape every six feet, you know, keeping people away from each other. There's literally only five of us physically in the office. We all have our own offices. So we were sort of set up for that before this happened. Um, right now, we have Purell on every, literally every couple of feet um, on the wall, the hand pump ones. Um, we all have masks. If you don't have one, one will provi be provided for you. And anything else is basically by appointment only. If you want to physically come in, we are still letting you, but we're only, we're requiring appointments. So that's what I'm saying. I think that if, like you said, reassess what you're doing right now, um, do, fix things that don't work. Um, add things that do, and then, you know, just kind of go from there, but there's a way forward. You know, it's, you can't be stuck. Yeah. That's the most important thing in my opinion. Don't be stuck. Absolutely. Grace. I totally agree. I love how, uh, you're describing all of the measures that you're taking in your organization to make sure that you're sending that message and following up on that, that you're saying is also, you know, give, give the option. You cannot assume that because you're back in your office and you can actually, see and meet with clients in your office that everyone's going to want to come, right? There are still going to be those who are going to prefer to continue having their consult consultation over Zoom or over a phone call or over email, whatever kind of consultations that you can provide them with, but give them the options. Grace, <laughs> so the time has finally come, right? I know, I know. I woke up this morning and I was really kind of like, am I still dreaming or is, is this finally it? the day that we're going to be talking about data mining and automation in our podcasting camera. So, Grace, why don't you introduce the topic for us and just get us through it? Because 
this is something I'm excited about. As you've rightly said last episode, I actually heard this presentation live when we first met at Pioma 2019. And I really, really liked it. It was very, very insightful. And so ever since then, I've uh, been going back to it whenever I wanted to get myself some direction when it comes down to different ways in which we can generate lists to find leads for mass stores and also how to guide them through the conversion. So before I overcomplicate here the subject for everyone listening, I'll let you explain what data mining is and then how automation follows right through to that. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> yes, I, I we have been talking <laughs> about this forever. And the funniest part is I was just on a podcast with uh, Ryan Klein from Market My Market. As you know, we're going to have him, I think, next week, right? On um yeah. Yes, next week. So I mentioned to him at the end of the podcast that I will be talking about data mining. And apparently you're not the only one waiting for this. <laughs> he said the same thing. He's like, when you do that, please make sure you send it to me. So this is for you, Ryan. This is for you, Liel. This is for you guys that have been waiting for the data mining conversation. Let's start, right? So I think it's important to mention first what marketing automation is and why am I going to mention that? because you cannot really truly do what I call data mining or mining for clients out of your current client list without automation. Because if you do this in a manual way, I'm sorry, it, it, you'll never get through it. Just think about thousands of people that you're trying to contact or, or email or, 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 or. There's a lot of ors involved. So I cannot talk about data mining without talking about marketing automation. So I'll start with what marketing automation is. I think a lot of people misunderstand what it is as a concept and they think it's just like a piece of uh, software maybe or it's just MailChimp or something. Yeah, Grace, it's such a hot term right now, marketing automation, and most of people know it through how they've experienced it as shoppers, users, whatever. Right. I think it would be very beneficial for everyone if you would actually explain what is marketing automation from the legal marketing standpoint. Right. Because I think that's where people sometimes fail to translate how marketing automation can be implemented for a legal marketing strategy. Most definitely. And so that is definitely where we need to start. Liel, thank you for um, prompting me on it. Marketing automation is technology, okay, that manages the marketing process and multifunctional campaigns. So Liel and I have spoken about different lifecycle campaigns, different types of um, marketing processes that you should be implementing, right? From intake to uh, follow-up to retained to, to so on, so on, so on, right? So marketing automation is using the technology to automate those processes. That is what it is. There's, it's as simple as that, I promise you. It is just using technology to automate the things that you do on a regular basis that can be automated. So what do I mean? I'll give you a perfect example. If you have a lead that lands on your website, what response do they get when they land on your website? Do they have a click to call option? Where does that click to call go? Do they have a form fill option? Where does that form go? Do they get a response afterwards? Is it an automated response? So just let's look at that one and, and look at that piece in particular. 
marketing automation is when they fill out that form, if they have an automatic response telling them, thank you for submitting your response, someone will get back to you within 24 hours, whatever your response is. That is automation. Does that make sense, Leo? Grace, it does make sense. And I appreciate a lot the example that you're giving us for website visit experience and how can that trigger a sequence of events that a user gets enrolled to the moment that they complete an action. So Grace, that's something, that example that you're sharing with us is something that would happen if a new visitor connects with you through your website, that would actually trigger an event. And then basically what you're saying here is that if they submit a web form, that could then make them receive an email acknowledging that the form's been received and that he's going to be contacted within the next hour or so, right? right? And then something sends another signal to your, to your, your telephone system that initiates an automated call to this user, right? Or puts them on a queue for connecting him with a live agent representative. And so after that call gets connected and they actually had a conversation, when the agent finishes up the conversation, then messages get sent out. I don't know, maybe a text message with a link so the person can go and sign up a contract or a retainer or something around those lines. Is that, am I kind of like illustrating how the funnel may look like? That's perfect, actually, I'm, yes. Yes, Is that's it? a perfect okay. way to look good, at it. Good, good. I just okay. I just wanted it for those who need a little bit more of uh, handholding through the process. What exactly that does, right? Uh, but I'm also wanting to hear from you about how can you also automate a sequence of events for people who are already in your list, right? Because that's really sometimes the value that a lot of people don't acknowledge, right? Like Harlan says he wants to focus on what's left on the plate. What are those things that we leave behind and never really squeeze to really get additional benefit from it? So that's the part that I am particularly very interested, but I let you guide us through it at your own pace. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's exactly right, right? So now that I've defined what marketing automation is, it's using technology to automate processes, right? Yeah, marketing processes that you might be doing, like your example of a web lead in to intake all the way down to retainer, right? Automating that whole portion of it will help you with the data mining. So let's talk about that kind of component of kind of that process, then how that leads to being able to data mine. We call it a lifecycle marketing campaign. That is literally taking care of your client by keeping them updated, which is what you and I have spoken about many, many times on all of our podcasts. You do that through automation. And that is what Persist Communications does, as a matter of fact. And that's what Liel, when he was mentioning about the initial opportunity coming in, that's what we do. We have an initial opportunity from the website. As soon as they click and they fill out a form or they click to call, it automatically gets assigned to a queue, exactly like he said. And within five minutes, they will get a phone call if it's during certain hours, you know, like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. After hours, it may go to a voicemail or it may go to an answering service if you have a 24-hour answering service, which we do. Um, and so once it hits that, it goes in that system into Persist system and the Persist system, again, calls them, adds them to a queue, 
Now, once that action is done and taken, whatever happens from there is all automated within the CRM or case management software. So let's say, let's use Smart Advocate or Zoho or Salesforce or Litify. You can use any of them um, in terms of what I'm talking about. As soon as the action is taken, the call's made, you're connected, now you're done with that call, there's a set of automations that can happen right after that. And this is where you're going to build out your lifecycle marketing campaign. This is where you're going to start talking to your current clients, right? They've already signed the retainer agreement. They've already signed up with you. They are a client. You maybe got medical records. Now, what do you do with them? It costs more money to acquire new customers than it does to retain existing customers. I have said this time and again. I know Liel has mentioned it at least once or twice. And I know him and I have talked about it a thousand times. It's super important to remember this. It costs more money to acquire new customers than it does to retain existing. So this is where data mining comes in, guys. I'm going to drop a huge, beautiful bomb on you in a positive way. Mine your current database by informing them and keeping them informed with updates. How do you do that? Well, guess what? You just tell them, this is what's going on. I see that, you know, you were a client of ours about this, just checking in on you, making sure you're okay. And then right in the same email, text, or landing page, you're going to have all the different things that you do. You're going to focus on the ones in this case, it's called, you know, focusing on the business practice area for, for legal that makes you the most money. Okay. What does that mean? So obviously MVAs are not making people money right now. There's no motor vehicle accidents out on the road. So I wouldn't put MVAs that you are a personal injury attorney that handles motor vehicle accidents at the top. I might include that at the bottom as a side note, but what am I going to tell people? right on the sidebar in an email or on my landing page in this nurture campaign that I'm doing with them as part of the life cycle marketing, you're going to include information about the mass torts you do. You're going to include information that's relevant right now. Let's say you're dealing with COVID legal. Well, you're going to put that right at the top that you're handling COVID cases right now, meaning COVID, you know, cases against whomever. So if you're corporate, you know, um, Give me an example, Leo, because I'm trying to think of a of like a COVID, you know, related injury. What we are seeing is, for instance, workers' compensation cases that relate to COVID are something that are starting to emerge. For instance, here would be in the case of frontliners that were not given the adequate equipment to protect themselves and ended up uh, contracting COVID or another disease, right? But primarily COVID as a consequence to that is something that can lead to a workers' compensation claim, right? And so I think that's just a scratch in the surface. I mean, the amount of things, mm -hmm. the amount of negligence, particularly now, like as things starting to reopen, right? As we are entering that gray area where, you know, there are guidelines, but who are enforcing them? Like, uh, will people going to be able to at some point uh, file lawsuit because they, you know, I don't want to predict things, but a restaurant that uh, became that can potentially be, protect yeah, itself or can potentially people. become a, an area where a lot of people got infected gets blamed for not having taken the right steps to ensure that their capacity and distancing and protection 
further employees got put into place, those are potentially claims that could happen. So, I mean, I, that's another conversation altogether, and we probably do want to have uh, legal attorneys uh, to join us yes, for that. Yes, no, to speak on yeah. that completely, yeah. But uh, based on what we are seeing from the marketing standpoint, those are all very likely events that could lead to uh, campaigns, new kind of campaign. Exactly. So the, from our perspective, guys that, that are listening, everybody, you know, girls and guys that are listening, from our side of it, you know, obviously we're talking from the marketing perspective. You know, you're an attorney. You know, you you are the attorney that is doing these campaigns. You know what practice areas, and then you know from your revenue what practice areas basically get you the most right now. But obviously, there is a coloring, a change in in how you're even going to be doing data mining right now. Um, and that's basically, it's going to be based off of science anyway, right? Trends, data. Liel has been giving you guys the best information possible. Okay. He's been talking about, you know, MVAs declining. He's talking about, um, you know, workers comp increasing. So if you're a workers comp or a family law attorney, you should be listening. You should be doing these things and you should be data mining your current list for these types of cases now. You know, if anybody has a question about this, you know, you can contact Liel or myself at any time at ask at ncamerapodcast.com. I know this is going to be extremely important for people, particularly right now. You know, th those who adapted, those who are doing what we're telling you to do or what we're suggesting you do are going to survive this and maybe even come out further ahead rather than those who are not trying to do things to adjust to, um, focus their energies and their messaging on the right track and actually mine their current database of clients, they're going to be left behind and maybe even potentially shut. And so it's very important that you take care of your current clients that you have. And that includes informing them of other things that they could use you for. They already know, like, and trust you. So as part of this, the messaging, whether it be through email, your web messaging, your social messaging, text messaging. That's all different ways of communication to mine your database for what you're doing right now and what you have on offer. So I'll go back to practice areas and I'm going to use one that just about everybody's used to. Um, actually, I'll use family law because we all kind of know what's going on right now with unfortunately, you know, people being stuck together that shouldn't, people trying to have divorces couldn't you know, those types of things. So with a very sensitive message, obviously, um, your current database of family law, you know, or even if you have a database that you can refer out, I'm not talking about referring your database out. I'm talking about if you get a client in that you don't, you can't offer something to, but they know you like and trust you guess what? You can now get co-counsel fees on that. So I don't know if you want me to explain that a little bit more because I know a lot of some attorneys may or may not know co-counseling or how that works or anything about that per se, but that's another option for getting cases into your firm. Just because you don't necessarily do that, you have a client that knows you, trusts you, likes you, and is going to come to you because you've been their attorney for however long, and you took care of them. So they're going to come to you and say, hey, you know, I have this case. Can you please take it for me? You can tell them, you know, I may not be able to handle that case directly, but I will work on it, you know, and I will give you to the best attorney. And there you go. Now you have a case that you're going to make money on 
you know, you're going to help your client because you care for your client. And now another attorney is going to get the, the benefit of handling this and you still get referral fees. So data mining is not just, it's a concept kind of like marketing automation. You mine your database, your current list of clients and potential leads that even the, what we call unconverted leads, these people landed on a page on your website for a reason. They called you for a reason. So they had some level of interest in something. So you don't know what that is necessarily. So if you're, de- you're handling mass torts right now, Zantac as an example, uh, I would put Zantac messaging to my personal injury clients. I would put, um, you know, uh, talc messaging to my personal injury clients. And just let everybody know in your database using lifecycle campaigns, you know, text messaging, emailing, and web messaging, all automated, that you do these other things. And that is the key to data mining. I have other examples and specifics that you can do to continue to mine your database and I'll go over those specifics but I wanted Liel to kind of say a few things or ask a couple questions. (laughs) No Grace actually I really uh, like everything that you're saying. I like you call it data data mining. I think another way in which we know this right is nurturing your clients. It's the moment that they've become a signed client you're obviously going to be handling now an active case that you have on them And then at some point, hopefully that's going to come to a settlement, to a resolution. They're going to get what they want. And that's the period where they need to get enrolled into another series of activities that keeps them connected to you, aware of other opportunities that there could be for them or for people that they know about things happening and you do so by sharing them relevant information that may or may not necessarily be of impact to them, but you are offering them the insights. And so they can then assess whether they can or they should uh, seek for help with that, right? So I, I, I think sometimes it's just the terminology that we're using that may throw off people. Like some people know this as nurturing. Some people know this as uh, their newsletter, right? Like, oh yeah, we are actually doing, so we're doing kind of like that thing through our newsletter because we're always sharing updates and new different kind of uh, changes in whatever legislation and stuff that may impact or may put them back in a place where they can reopen or for further representation on something else, right? And so that's one thing. Now, Grace, I've just mentioned here an example. So you, so one way you do this is with your newsletter, which can actually be emailed out or you can send it through direct mail, but that's just one way that you can stay top of mind. You've said another thing, which is social media, right? You can use social media as a platform to keep connected, keep informed, shared information. How can you, Grace, like, do you actually need to plan this out in a way that you can say, well, the first step is we're going to send out a newsletter informing everyone about it. Then we're going to follow up with a sequence of uh, social media posts reinforcing. Then we're going to send out text messages asking directly for people that we've seen that have actually, I don't know, engaged on their social media post or clicked on the full article presenting on the newsletter just 
introduced it in a newsletter and then guiding them to read the, the rest of the article on the website, right? So do you actually create sequences that narrow down your list for you based on behavior, based on actions that they've taken throughout this process how can you monitor it because as you very rightly said many times if you've been you know if, if you've been active for many years you probably and hopefully have uh, hundreds or maybe thousands of clients in your database right and so how can you actually follow up in on like how can you stay in control of all of this and measure levels of interest so that you can follow up with different levels of interest accordingly do you have any suggestions about that? Any tools that you can recommend? Like how can we actually make sure that those who are actually showing more interest are getting more attention and then those who are kind of like just opening but not necessarily uh, engaging back with you continue to get nurtured in the cycle in expectation that potentially they may switch to, to a different stage at some point. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of automation and that is the whole point of this conversation so as part of that that vein um i think personally and this is how we do it again i'm going to go back to the fact that we use persist communication for the automation component and for the messaging because together with um infusionsoft as a matter of fact um, on our website, we have a life cycle, and I keep talking about life cycle marketing. That is the entire sequence of events. And when we talk about events, guys, we're not talking about obviously trade shows or conferences or any of that. Other marketing people understand what we talk about when we say events. An event is an action taken. Okay, so we're not talking about events as in any other way, but an action that's being taken. So with a sequence of of actions that are occurring that are being taken by the client or lead on your website on social and however it is that they actually contact you that you need to have an answer whether that actually means an answer via email an answer via a social post an answer via a text message you need to have an answer to their requests inquiries and needs what does that mean exactly like Liel said that means building them into a campaign or a sequence of actions that are going to happen and contact them in the method that they prefer. So we have what we call lead scoring. I know that a lot of lawyers and a lot of law firms don't think about lead scoring. I do. I think about lead scoring because I come from a retail background for a long time and I come from a digital background. So when I think of a lead, I think of you know a prospect as they call them, um, in legal, I think of that lead as this person that is interested or not interested and into what level. Okay, well, obviously, if they land on your home page, they bounce right off, meaning bounce rates are low are high. That means that they weren't that interested. But that doesn't mean you should not still try to contact that person. They landed on your website. They somehow filled out a form or clicked you to call you or did something or even engaged with you on your social media by putting a simple like. Any engagement, you need to have an automated response and include them in part of that entire life cycle nurturing campaign as part of your firm's messaging. And as part of that messaging, that is what I talk about data mining. When I'm talking about data mining, I mean you need to have a strategy built out with exactly what I'm talking about. So yes, you do need a sequence of events to be planned out. You need to think of all the channels that you are on 
So have an omni-channel strategy for handling and nurturing the people along the life cycle with your firm. And so let's use an actual example, right? So again, Persist Communications, um, I'm gonna use that because that's what we use at Jacobino and Lake. Um, it hits the website, it comes in, there's sort of a, um, a little bit of uh, triage and infusion soft. It knows if it's a duplicate, it knows if it's this or that or not, then it goes through to Persist, it hits, Persist calls within five minutes. Um, if that person is qualified as an actual client, then they get the retainer, um, and then they have a whole sequence of actions that are going out. Um, if they didn't fill out, they didn't finish intake, then they'll get an email about that. They'll get a text message. They'll get a, um, a phone call with a voicemail if they don't pick up, and so on and so on. And then once they do become a client, if they land on our social media, then they get, Facebook has this, guys, by the way. There's a Facebook pixel that everybody should be using if you're not using it already you should have a pixel on your website so you know when people are interacting with you and having to do with facebook because there's a lot of things in facebook that are very useful for you that have automation and there is autoresponders in facebook besides the systems like buffer or hootsuite that let you track post and auto respond to messages on facebook and other places right twitter um instagram um depending on where you, you know, kind of where you are in social media, that, but you need a strategy for everywhere you are, if it's TV, if it's radio, if it's advertising, um, anyway, the PPC, you need to have a way to track all of it and to respond to everybody and to mine your database by letting them know you have all these other things on offer. Yeah. So again, you can have things listed on your website, articles, right? Drugs that are listed on there. But everything you do needs to be connected as part of the life cycle of your client or lead in your database. If they're interested, they get this series of emails. If they're not interested, they get the they get emails, but probably less, right? I'd say, you know, less often. You may not contact them as 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 often, but you still want to keep them nurtured and stay top of mind as much as you possibly can, whether it's by text message, social media, however it is that they interact with you, you need to be, have a solution for answering that inquiry and keeping them interested along the way. Yeah. So that's when I talk about life cycle marketing, that's what I mean. And that's how you set it up. Yeah, I really like that you touched on lead scoring grades because I think many times we are very used to kind of like assuming that if people are not calling you, or you've set up, you've sent out a communication, whether it was a, a social media post or you've sent out an email, uh, email marketing uh, campaign or something, and you did not receive a call right away that none of your recipients were interested, right? Or no one in your audience is interested. But again, here you're dealing with a different kind of buyer, one that has not yet shown much intent because you're raising awareness, right? You're raising awareness. So it's going to take some time for them to go through that journey of becoming uh, no intent to low intent to high intent. And having a lead scoring uh, infrastructure in place will help you identify who is where in that journey. And so you can send a more relevant and specific message to those who are actually shifting 
from no intent to low intent and drive them to high intent, right? Get them to high intent with the right messaging. And so that's why I think it's so important that you don't continue just the cycle of nurturing everyone with the exact same message when you've already identified that some people are actually showing more interest on over others. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I love email marketing because of that, right? I mean, you can, if you run email marketing, you know very well in your reporting that you can see obviously who opened and then who clicked, who took actions from your emails. And that's already a big tale as to whether they're interested or not. And then again, based out of what automation uh, software you're using, you can automatically, automatically trigger for those who actually went and visited an article or something, a follow-up email asking them, hey, we hope you found the information in that blog post uh, useful. Here are some additional articles that you may find also interesting, right? And so you continue nurturing them, you continue giving them the information that you think will help them identify whether they can actually uh, seek for representation with you, they could qualify for it. But as you very well said, Grace, I mean, you need to plan out that journey up front and you need to understand what's happening whenever they are behaving in certain ways. So for those who are showing no intent, for how long you're gonna keep them in that cycle before you say, you know what, like let's not necessarily continue engaging them with this campaign and let's just shift them back into a more general one and see whether at some point they will respond to something different, but they are not responding for the Zantag one. They're not, you know, it's not something that's generating interest, but those who are actually are showing some level of interest, like what's the next steps that are gonna follow? what's going to be the next things when they're having low intent, when they have, when they're uh, showing uh, high intent, right? Great. I really like this. This is, this is a uh, very interesting and actionable. I mean, I get it. It's not easy. Like there's a lot of components that here come to play and hopefully over the next series of conversations, we can start focusing on different tools and different solutions that are out there that could help you uh, do so. But why don't you, I mean, since we're already talking about this and you've mentioned the way that, for instance, uh, Persist can integrate with some of these tools, what's the role that Persist could actually help you or the actions that Persist can help you organize and solve in this entire process. So Persist, what it can do is is particularly with that initial contact, right? Because most people forget that if you don't respond within the first five minutes, you're going to have a problem. They're going to shop around and they're going to go somewhere else. So what Persist solves is that in particular. It's capturing that person at the moment that they're asking to be captured and in the way they want to be captured. So when they fill out information, you have to get them on the phone. You're a law firm. That is your major requirement is to get them on that phone and to do that intake or to take that action that you need to take, whether whatever it is, right? So if you're trying to get them for medical records, you're trying to get them to sign the retainer agreement because they haven't, you need them to send it back because you mailed it out. Whatever it is that you need to do, that is what Persist solves. It solves the communication issue of manually dialing people and manually texting or manually emailing because it creates the entire sequence at once. So there is the appropriate messaging from day one to day 16, and it tells them we're trying to contact you because of XYZ. Um, the second one, we've been trying to contact you. And then the last one, on um, day 16, we found 
that the last message is we have been trying to contact you if you're still interested please call us back please email us back or please text us text us back right so that is the the, the component of the life cycle that persists kind yeah. of fits into um when i talk about lead scoring we use infusionsoft yeah. um i used to use a system called sales fusion at the import export law firm i used to work at i loved that system but you can't always use the systems that you love or, or want because you have other things that you have to think about, right? So to me, the most important thing about that whole question of lead scoring, and I know I keep going back to that. I think we could have a whole conversation on lead scoring. But anyway, I keep going back to that because that is such an important component. And I know you've mentioned it in terms of don't send them information if, you know, as often or the wrong information if they're not interested. That's part of lead scoring. Because they landed on this page, they downloaded this ebook, they 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 social media messaged you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all of that is part of lead scoring. If they did this, they get two points. If they did that, they did get five points. That's how you'll be able to determine intent. You'll know if that person is a hot lead. And I know lawyers hate thinking about it like that, which is why I, I tend to kind of try to connect the two. And Liel helps me kind of clarify it for legal because <laughs> um, I know I talk more about like business as a whole and professional services rather than legal specifically. But lead scoring is applicable to everybody and you absolutely need a strategy, an omni-channel strategy. You need to think about all the processes, the the entire journey that your customer, client, or lead is going to take with you and fit the tools that you need in at that point. Yep. And that persists at the beginning, you know, um, CRM system for everything in between and autoresponders like, you know, even MailChimp and Constant Contact that will help you kind of keep that whole information line going and nurturing everybody. Yeah. And one very important thing I need to know, um, I do keep up with the ABA handbook um, you know, the, the American Bar Association's handbook on marketing. It's important to do this because if you stop texting, emailing, or contacting your clients, guess what? You don't, after a certain amount of time, depending on your state, you no longer have the right to. It is will be considered solicitation. So I know I'm not a lawyer, but I do know a lot about the marketing laws and just keep them on your life cycle. Keep them informed. Keep them happy. Know, like, and trust you. They already do. So just keep talking to your clients it's not that hard even if you're not don't you cannot do all of these things you don't have the bandwidth you don't have the the wherewithal you don't know how at least put in an autoresponder like constant contact or um you know use your crm or case management software most of them have at least some kind of component component of email campaigns or texting campaigns or something so do something but you have to keep them informed keep talking to them, keep emailing them and keep posting so that they they are getting the information they need and you can keep talking to them and you keep top of mind. Yeah. Does that it make does sense? Great. It does great. It does great. It's really good, very self-explanatory. I appreciate uh, you answering my question about Persist. And so it pretty much sounds like Persist is a very powerful tool for whenever that critical moment has passed when they show the transition from low intent to high intent, they're now seeking for more direct one-on-one uh, -on -one communications with you. And so with a tool like this, 
you can pretty much seize that moment and make sure that you're not wasting very valuable time to get in front of that person while they're hot and they're uh, willing to have a conversation with you, minimizing all of the chances of things falling through the cracks and then realizing five days after, oh, but this guy sent us a web form and nobody saw it. And then you try reaching out and they're like, you know, not answering or they've already uh, found the answers through somebody else who potentially signed them or they've just, you know, got wrong information and therefore decided to drop altogether the whole thing. You really don't know, but you lose control. And like we've talked in this podcast so many times about the importance of timeliness when it comes down to responding back to leads. And so I cannot emphasize enough how valuable is having a tool that is helping you stay one step ahead of yourself, right? Like really letting you make sure that you're not uh, making the mistake of not being available for when your clients are hot. Grace, I think we're ready for some takeaways. And so I'll tell you something. I'll start with the first one, okay? I think my first takeaway after hearing this very insightful conversation that you've shared with us is that don't ignore your database, right? Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Your clients are not just something that has a limited life cycle. They may have a limited life cycle as an active case for you, but they're going to be your clients for as long as you're willing to keep them as clients. And so in order to make that transition from when the case closes on to them staying your clients, you need to have a strategy in place. What do you think, Grace? That's great. It's funny that you said that because I was going to ask you, I'm like, you know how sometimes it's hard to think of your own takeaways when you're the one having the conversation, right? So I appreciate that. I mean, here is like uh, a little behind the scenes teaser for all of you. Uh, Usually when we have a conversation with somebody else that joins us, Grace and I have a moment from the moment we actually finish the conversation with our guests. And we start with the takeaways where we kind of like agree what are going to be our takeaways. But we don't have that now. So what you're hearing is the real stuff. It's us coming up with takeaways as we feel that they fit best. Right? Yes. I don't know why we get so excited (laughs) Um, about it. (laughs) No, you're right, though. I mean, don't ignore your database. That is number one and front and center. You have a list of people that have interacted with you and, you know, basically it's lost money if you don't. So don't ignore your database. And, you know, if you want to think about it as obviously a lot of lawyers do, you can't ignore them because you help them. So they are somebody that was in need at some point. So don't ignore your database because you can continue to help, whatever that means. And that keeps keeping them informed. Consumer behavior is is such a unique aspect. We are the most informed consumers than we've ever been, right? So keep that message going, keep talking to them and don't ignore your database. I think that's great. Grace, you know what? I'm ready for it. So I'm going to move on with my second takeaway, right? Which is know very well the tools and software that you already have in house and maximize it to the last of the capacities that you're already paying for, right? Because it's very easy for us to now think, right? Oh, Grace is mentioning Infusionsoft. I need to go and get myself subscribed to Infusionsoft and 
see if whether if I can integrate that or not. Chances are is that if you're already using a CRM, you potentially can integrate it with your website in a way that you can track website visits from from contacts in your CRM, right? And the same could go with your social media platform and when your email marketing tools. So see already based on the tools and resources that you already have, how can you actually create an ecosystem that supports your strategy. Because if you go, like, there's different ways that you can approach this. You can do blue sky thinking and say, I don't care what I already have in terms of resources and tools. I want to draft my funnel to look like this. And then after you've created that, you need to now go and source all of the different tools that you'll need to make it happen. And the reality is that things may get so complex that you're gonna, gonna end up dropping it all, right? But if you start drawing that funnel based on the tools and resources you already have in place and the integrations that you can leverage, chances are that you're going to be more agile at implementing something rather sooner than later. So that would be my takeaway, right? And you know what? If you don't have any of these, then yes, set up how you would like things to look like. Don't overcomplicate it, guys. Like, honestly, be, be realistic, right? But draw what you want to do and there is a lot of software out there that will help you do this, right? And, you know, the price range is tremendous. Like, it's never been so diverse. You have from uh, very affordable uh, platforms to platforms that are going to run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, right? So really be realistic about what is it that you need and Keep things uh, simple from the standpoint that if you already have uh, some tools and software in place, maximize them to the very, very last of their capabilities so you can get all the extra juice. You're anyway already paying for it. Or maybe you just need to do a small upgrade from mm -hmm. the current version to the next one that you need in order to get something out, which is going to be definitely more affordable than just bringing in a whole new platform a whole new or system yeah getting something to integrate uh to what you already uh have right so really take time to look into it seek professional help if this is not something that you can navigate on your own but the reality is that building up your funnel shouldn't be something as complex as it sounds so that would be my second takeaway grace now because this was your conversation and you were the one who shared all of the meat here I'm going to give you the honor to give us our third and final takeaway. Oh, third and final takeaway. Do something after this podcast. Implement something. Whatever that is. That's exactly what he's saying, right? Look at what you currently have. I tell people this all the time when they're going to buy Persist, our software. We become a partner. So I've been doing marketing, legal marketing for over 15 years, marketing for over 20 in multiple industries. So... I have a very good understanding of the entire cycle, like 360 degrees of digital, traditional, and every industry you can imagine. I tell people all the time, do not buy or use something that is going to break your process. You identify the bottlenecks in your process and you fit it in. And that's what I tell people Persist does. Do the same with any tool or system that you're going to be using. If you already have software, if you already have a case management software, then use that and do something with it. Make sure it add the Facebook pixel to your website. Use constant contact if you don't have an email system and your CRM can't do it. 
But you got to take action. Please, please take action after this podcast. Do something. And if you have any questions about this, you can ask Liel or myself, you know, ask at incamerapodcast.com. I keep saying that because this is such an important, not just an important um, concept, but it's an important time right now that if you can do this right now, I'm telling you tomorrow, today, you will start reaping the benefits immediately. Yeah. Absolutely. And Grace, you're very, I mean, I love that you're really uh, making it as clear and simple as just take the first step. These are, these, everything that we've talked about today is not something that you'll just figure it out on, on one day, on one meeting, right? It takes several stages. So break it down, just break it down into different steps and make sure that things that relate to this, I always making it to your top five items that you need to address every single day. Like at this point, there's no mystery that working out of to-do list is potentially the best thing that you can do in order to keep yourself accountable to things that are important and that you really need to address. So just really give this the importance that it uh, requires because again, there's so much value that you can gain out of things that you already have if you have the capability and you're in position to do data mining. So just set up that first task of what is it that you're going to do. And potentially that first task is going to be like, okay, let's take this project, break it down into a series of tasks that need to happen over the next week or two weeks, and then start setting it up and get involved the other parties that need to be part of it. So I think that's a great thing to do, a great place to start. Grace, thank you very much for making it so actionable. And again, thank you very much for sharing this with us. Hopefully we'll be revisiting a follow-up to this conversation sometime soon. Until then, have a great rest of the week and thank you very much. Thank you, Leo. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your coworkers, leave us a review and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.